Hello and welcome to the Recovering from Religion podcast. Our mission here is to offer hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. What follows is the audio from selected videos posted on Recovering from Religion's YouTube channel. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Casey is a licensed therapist who is specialized in postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. She recently started a coaching service to provide secular resources, support, and a safe community to non-believers. And she she currently lives in Wake Forest, NC, with her husband, son, and dog. So today we're going to talk about holidays without religion, which I feel like can be such a broad topic with so many different angles and in others quite a few topics that um, we want to touch on. So how do we start addressing this this topic of how to survive the holidays if you're a non-religious person? I think, first of all, the holidays can be really hard for everybody or for lots of people, I should say. Um, It can be a really sad time, um, even during years when there is no global pandemic. Uh, There's a lot of stress involved in the holidays and there's a lot of pressure to be joyful and um, gather with friends and spend a lot of money and eat a lot of food and drink a lot. And there's, you know, there's just so much pressure to, to do the holidays a certain way. And um, for a lot of people who don't enjoy that uh, or who don't enjoy it, maybe they don't enjoy socializing um, or don't enjoy spending a lot of money or, you know, any of that stuff, it can feel kind of like a weird time of year. And like, if you're not doing it right, then, you you know, that you're not, um, I don't know, like you're doing something wrong. So, so with that said, like, I just want to give everybody permission to like, not enjoy the holidays if you don't enjoy it. I love that. Cause, um, I feel like my family has been really, really good at not inviting many people <laughs> to like our household. So uh, we're all a bit of introverts, really. Uh, at least my dad and myself, we are definitely massive introverts. So we definitely love being just the four of us, you know, my brother, um, my parents and myself, just on Christmas. But I know that for so many other families, that is not the case. And you may have to encounter very difficult family members. So, yeah, I love that you said we don't have to enjoy it because... It's true. We don't have to really. I'm a huge introvert too. And I grew up in a family of just loud and obnoxious, drunk extroverts. (laughs) (laughs) The worst nightmare. (laughs) For me too, the, um, the holidays, I don't know why, but they've always just been something I've struggled with. Um, I've, uh, you know, we, I'm also kind of an introvert and I, have a large family and we'd get together like 60 people would show up and be loud and obnoxious. And I'm like, I just want to go into the corner, read a book and uh, just let them do their thing. And eventually we'll be going back home. I'll grab a giant plate of food. And <laughs> of course, but I enjoyed the food, but just didn't really enjoy the, uh, you know, enjoy that time. I feel like there are so many people who have, you know, have difficulty around this time of year. Um, and so then you throw in, you know, being maybe a new non-believer, maybe you've left your um, re- religious faith and left your community behind. So on top of all of that difficulty, um, you're now feeling very isolated um, and lonely. And so that is, so it's, it is a very uh, lonely time of year um, for p- people who are single or people who don't have um, close relationships with family or don't have many friends. And so, um, so we def- I definitely want to talk about that too. Yeah, for sure. Especially with COVID now, I feel like this feeling of isolation can really affect people. But as you said, I feel like this isn't something that's exclusive to this year. Like many other times, um, many other years, it has happened that so many people just feel lonely. And I, I read this somewhere, it may not be true, but I think suicide rates are kind of increase a bit on the holidays because people feel particularly vulnerable and lonely compared to, I don't know, this culture of happiness and collective love and all those things. So I wouldn't be surprised if it were true, Um, especially this year. I just, I don't even want to know the statistics after we get through this pandemic of uh, mental health, you know, crises and suicide. And yeah, it's going to be really sad, I think, to, to find that all out, you know. Well, I'm really thankful that you kind of 
in some sense gave us permission to not necessarily like this time of year. It's, you know, uh, I feel like there was always this expectation uh, of me that I uh, had to interact. I had to be okay with it. I had to be jolly and cheery, especially because I'm a fairly large man. And I think if I got my beard a little bit longer, I'd look like Santa, but um, I, uh, I'm really glad that you kind of said that. And it's, it's really helpful to, <laughs> to hear that it's okay to not like this time of year. I was preparing for this talk. Um, I kept coming back to, I just kept thinking like, I sound just like I did with the grief talk I did, a, you know, a few yeah. months ago. It's very similar. Um, and there's a lot of grief for people around this time of year. Um, you know, ho the holidays kind of bring up um, past losses, um, losses that you've experienced, um, before, um, maybe loss of relationships with family or, um, you know, if you had your heart broken, um, all the Hallmark movies that are on, you know, they're all about like finding your true love at Christmas under the mistletoe. Yeah. And like, it's just not like that in reality for a lot of people. And how do you have any tips for people who may be feeling, you know, like, they're not going to enjoy Christmas. You know, there's too much going on or too little going on. Uh, do you have any tips for these people in order to, I mean, I see these people like I'm not one of them, but yeah, do you have any tips for all of us to overcome these feelings, these negative feelings during the holidays? You know, I think you can limit maybe how much um, social media <laughs> you expose yourself to and maybe how, yeah, you know, how much uh, TV you watch or um, whatever the kids are doing, streaming. Um, you know, just kind of stay off the uh, media, you know, as, as much as you can. And maybe, you know, and we're going to talk about this too a little bit later, but redefining what this time of year um, can mean for you is important because that gives you a little bit of control and you can, you know, live your life and experience this time of year, however you want to do it. So make sure that you take care of yourself. Make sure that, you know, you don't, you know, excessively spend money if that's not what, you know, you can do. If that's not within your means or if that's not what you're interested in doing. Um, so kind of like not, I guess, not succumbing to the pressure um, that it seems like it's coming from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I so feel like the self-care piece, you know, spend people, spend time with people. And this is, of course, like, we're going to, we're going to be talking about this to give people tips for the future, not just this year uh, surviving the holidays in a pandemic. It's going to look a lot different, but you know, in the future, when you can be back, um, you know, in close contact with people, if you don't feel like doing that, if you don't feel like going to all the parties um, you know, there's no reason that you have to. So I think just really tuning into what you feel like you need in order to get through. Do you feel the same way about uh, gifts? Because I know that in a lot of families, and I know this is, I'm not generalizing, but in a lot of families, there is uh, the female lead that kind of does everything for Christmas. So she buys all the presents, cooks all the meals, wraps every single present, sends everything. Um, do you have any advice for maybe, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a female, but whoever takes care of Christmas that year. Do you have any advice on how to prioritize perhaps? Because it can be a lot of things, there can be a lot of things going on. And I feel like it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not gonna send anyone any gifts, but at the same time, you don't have to send the entire family like lots and lots of gifts. So do you have any sort of tips to prioritize or to maybe just manage the situation? Speak up, you know, and, and if you have kind of, if you step, if you kind of feel yourself stepping into that, role in your family uh, every year. Um, the one who um, is the, you know, person who keeps the gift list or the person who buys all the groceries for the big meal or whatever it is. Like, I think setting boundaries is important because it's your time. And I think you have a conversation with your family. And I when I say family, I'm talking, I'm trying to be inclusive of all different kinds of families. So a, a family can be a group of friends. Um, you know, small, large, whatever it may be for you, I think just really opening up a dialogue and saying like, look, how do we want to, how do we not, how do we want to do the holidays? We want to set a spending limit on the gifts or the number of gifts we give, or maybe no gifts. Maybe we donate um, 
to a charity instead or something like that. So I just oh, think yeah. I think it's important to communicate with your, you know, with the group of people that you're celebrating with to just decide together how you want this time of year to, to look for you, because it is it's incredibly stressful. So what are some of the things you uh, feel that uh, non-believers or folks who are beginning to doubt um, kind of struggle with? Uh, I think we talked about a couple of them, but are there any other uh, things that you have on your list or you can think of? I had a poll, I think. One of the questions was about Santa. So that's one of them. Um, I think a lot of times, um, you know, especially for new non-believers, they feel at a loss of this. They've lost this part of their identity. So when they've left their faith behind, it's like, oh, well, now what do I do about this, you know, Christmas? Do I celebrate? Do I do I take part in all the traditional kinds of uh, rituals? Or does that mean that I'm doing this non-believing thing wrong? And uh, so Santa can be one of the things. Um, that's interesting to see that, um, most of us here do celebrate some type of religious holiday. That's pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. Less than a quarter of the attendees um, said yes, that they're, uh, they're worried about um, including Santa in the holiday rituals, but uh, most uh, actually, oddly enough, most of the, the people don't have children in this, this uh, chat. Um, uh, but also 35% of the folks said, no, they're not worried at all about including Santa. I think one of them, like, and our third question is about attending a church service. And um, for a lot of people that comes up with, you know, like a lot of faiths have like a, well, Christians um, have like a candlelight service on Christmas Eve and that kind of thing. And so if you live in a small town um, or a small community, you might get invited to, to things like that. Or the, you know, those communities that do those live nativity scenes. <laughs> Those always crack me up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've seen um, some of the folks at the live nativity scenes where it's so cold out, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, those poor folks. Like, I don't want to walk up with like a thermos of hot chocolate. Like, let's bring the 21st century into this first century <laughs> and give them some hot chocolate. <laughs> but so, so I think sometimes um, you can feel pressured to um, to attend you know, religious types of traditions like that. And uh, so that can be hard for some people to just say no, or, you know, and if, and, and the beauty of being a non-believer is that we get to make our own rules. So if you, if you want to go to a service to please your family um, and you're okay with it, fine. Right. If you, um, but if you don't feel comfortable doing that, it is okay. Again, I'm giving you permission uh, to say no, that you have other other plans or you don't want to, or, you know, whatever you need to do to kind of get out of that um, awkward situation. Let's kind of start, uh, let's start at the beginning. Like what, what is all this? Uh, the main thing that here in America that we celebrate is Christmas. We see it everywhere. Um, and uh, uh, it, it seems that uh, it's uh, the main um, group that celebrates it um, uh, are the Christian groups, but um, what are some of the roots of uh, the Christian or of, of Christmas itself? Actually, like cultures all over the world have been celebrating different types. They've been they've had different types of celebrations and rituals associated with the winter solstice, which is today um, in this hemisphere, anyway. Um, and, you know, it because um, we've made it through the darkness and we're at the, lo the longest, um, the shortest day of the year, the longest night, um, a lot of cultures um, have always celebrated that because then you, you're going into the light. You know, you're going into the part of the year where there's more daylight and um, uh, you can start, you know, whatever, getting ready to plant your crops or, or whatever they did, um, and, and be warmer and have more light and, and all that. So, so it's, it is like, it's a great reason to celebrate. Right. Um, and there's all kinds of, um, historical, um, solstice, uh, traditions that you can read about, um, early Europeans, um, had, uh, Yule, 
was one Yule and the Yule Tide. You hear that in the Christmas carols, but it's actually a celebration. Um, uh, ancient Rome had Saturnalia, and I saw a T-shirt recently that said, "Keep the Saturn in Saturnalia." <laughs> and that one, the Ancient Roman uh, festival, was all about like just you know eating and drinking and. Uh, having fun, everything was like turned upside down where the servants became the bosses and the, you know, and they got to boss their like masters around and things like that. Um, and so it was just a really big like party time. And so if you think about it, like we've, you know, Christians have kind of like taken all of those pagan rituals and mashed it up and turned it into Christmas. Um, and actually when Christians were trying to, um, you know, make this new idea of Christmas be more popular and, you know, have people accept it. Um, that's basically why they took all these pre-existing um, traditions and, you know, and just put a new label on it as Jesus's birthday. Yeah. I read somewhere that Jesus's real birthday was somewhere in the summer. I may be wrong. So, I mean, I think I read it on Twitter, but I feel like it's so funny that literally at the other, in the other part of the, of the time, of the year that's when he was born quote unquote um but we still celebrate it on like december that's that's a bit strange <laughs> having the little nativity scene like decoration in my house as a kid and my mom would put it out like on like a little blanket of snow and i was like wait a minute like was it snowing <laughs> like in jerusalem <laughs> or wherever like <laughs> i was so confused and i was like and these guys, these three kings, like they just, they walk there. Like, how do they know? Like, how do they get there? Like in time, like it just made no sense. It still makes no sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, Christians totally appropriated all of that stuff for their own um, purpose. And so non-believers, I mean, can do the same thing, right? Like we can, we can have a Christmas tree or not. We can do Santa or not. We can enjoy the Christmas carols or not. Like you, we can make our own rules. Um, and there's a great, and so the, and the religious songs, I think are another part that maybe um, feels a little uncomfortable for non-believers. Um, and I think there's some, sometimes there's just a little conflict in your head about it. Cause you might really like the tune of like, Oh, Holy night, but you don't really believe it's a Holy night, but <laughs> you might enjoy hearing like someone, um, belt out that tune and really like hit those notes. Um, and I feel like, I, I just feel like it's okay. Cause there's no rules. You don't have to believe it to enjoy a song. Yeah. yeah you don't have to hate every single Christmas Christian song in order to be a proper atheist or a proper agnostic that it's okay. You can still enjoy those things. It seems like these, uh, holidays, uh, the things we do around them, um, like give gifts or put up a tree or go out caroling um, or even putting milk and cookies out for Santa. It seems like uh, it's in the modern day. Um, uh, it seems like it's just something we do, but in all honesty, these are rituals. Uh, you know, we kind of think of the word ritual as something that happened um, centuries and centuries ago, but these are still kind of ritualistic things that we do. Um and it seems like they they also have some value uh, for for us uh, as humans too. Do you feel like you can talk to that some? Um, you know, the, even the word ritual, I think, kind of has like a, a religious connotation for some people. Um, you know, it sounds kind of Catholic, <laughs> um, but rituals are just simply something you know that that you decide um, is meaningful for you and. Um, it becomes a tradition for you, um, it, simple, you know, and they are important. Um, you know, just like when we had our grief talk, we talked about, you know, the rituals of, of grieving and mourning and things like mm -hmm. that and, and how that helps us have a little bit of control. Um, and the same thing goes for holiday traditions and rituals. Um, they kind of ground us and they give us, um, purpose and um they can create you know culture and community and uh for people who have good relationships with their families and friends and they have certain um maybe certain um family traditions that are just unique to their little group 
um, then that, you know, that's meaningful for them. And that's part of uh, who they are. And so I think, I think rituals are important, but I don't think that there's any kind of um, prescribed ritual or a, or a way to do things. You know, I also think that sometimes you can do away with rituals. You know, I think, I think just because it's a ritual doesn't mean it has to, it has to be like set in stone forever. If, if your rituals aren't serving you anymore, you can always change them. So I think they kind of have that like permanent, like they kind of sound like maybe they're supposed like, you know, we're stuck with them. If we Mm -hmm. start uh, practicing any kind of tradition, like it's just, we have to do it. Um, My mother was like that with every, with every holiday, you know, you had to have certain foods and (laughs) serve it at a certain time. And like, if anybody was late for that meal, then like she wanted to like toss them right out of the family. Like, so, but you know, come on, like, (laughs) you know, it doesn't have to be that serious. I think it should be fun. My grandmother on Christmas Eve every year would make this uh, jello and it uh, looked really good, except she threw walnuts on top of it. And I'm like, you ruined the jello. Why would you have walnuts on top of jello? And so I ended up just having to pick all that crap up and I had a pile of walnuts, but she did this every single year, had this jello with walnuts on it. And I go, who in their right mind, but uh, apparently my grandma loved doing that. I think it was something that was generational and traditional for them at that time too. Forget that jello with those walnuts. No, I will not. (laughs) Yeah. I like that kind of um, allowing the traditions to, and the rituals to kind of uh, shift and change as they no longer work for you. And that's, and we really kind of see that just naturally as uh, humans, because um, no, there is very few traditions that or rituals that are, remain the same across the world, if any. We see Christmas celebrated differently in Germany and in Spain and Italy and America, uh, and uh, we see them celebrated all differently all over the world. Yeah, fun fact, in the Basque Country, which is the north part of Spain where uh, I'm from, we don't have Santa Claus as much. We have someone called Olencero. And Olencero is essentially a farmer who lives in a mountain with a donkey. He's always drunk and he eats a lot. And on Christmas Day, well, the, on Christmas Eve, he goes around giving gifts. So Wait, who's drunk? Having... The, the donkey or the, or the farmer? I suspect both, but yeah. mostly the farmer. Mostly Olencero, that's his name. Um so yeah, I, you can definitely change your traditions. I mean, they have been changing all the time through history and different cultures. There's no set rules that you need to follow. And especially if for whatever reason you're spending um, this Christmas on your own, this could be maybe a nice opportunity to start doing uh, rituals that serve a purpose to you instead of making sure everyone else is happy and just try to make sure that you are happy first and that um, yeah, the, the rituals that you are following are the ones that you want to instead of the ones that you're supposed to have. Yeah. 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 I, I would encourage everybody, you know, this has been um, a year like no other. So what better time to, you know, like reinvent the holidays for yourself and come up with something new um, as a tradition. Mm-hmm. Cool. So let's then address the elephant in the room, which is uh, either in this, on this Christmas or another year, you go very happily to your family Christmas dinner and then comes your uncle slash aunt slash random family member telling you all about Christ, telling you all about, you know, how important it is to celebrate Jesus Christ and, you know, God and all those things. Blah, blah, blah. What is the plan of action? How do you deal with um, like religious family members or friends trying to uh, convince you to go back to religion or convince you that you're going to go to hell if you don't follow religion and all those things. Oh, what a great question. <laughs> I say, if there's booze around, just grab a bottle of wine <laughs> and get out the door. <laughs> oh, um, no, that would be horrible for me. My mouth would just like not stop going. It just would be bad. You know, I think if it, it depends on it depends on you and, and your personality and how you want to address it. You know, you can be assertive and speak up for yourself um, and, you know, walk away or just say that, you know, that's great for you, but that's not what I believe. Um, You can avoid those people or, you know, you can decide to have a candid conversation or you can just say like, oh, I, I, 
you know, I'm getting a call or I'm getting a text. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I say like, whatever, you know, whatever you have to do to feel, to get to a safe place. Cause I know we're kind of joking about it, but for a lot of people, it, it's, you know, it's, it's traumatic. Yeah. You know, if you've yeah. been through religious trauma, um, any of that stuff is a reminder of that. And so um, you need to keep yourself safe and comfortable. So um, again, giving you permission, leave, leave. If that's, you know, if, if you need to, to walk away, you can. I do like the idea of um, working to set boundaries because uh, it's something that I've been struggling with or I have struggled with uh, and probably still do if I really want to admit it um, for a long time. I want, uh, you know, if somebody approaches me, I feel then like uh, my initial uh, reaction is like, oh, I have to engage with them. I have to give them reasons as to why I don't want to talk to them or, uh, uh, you know, but honestly, uh, from just from these um, RFRX talks that we've had, I've been able to uh, practice uh, setting boundaries and just saying like, no, and understanding that I don't have to give them a reason as to why I don't want to talk about it, or I don't want to engage, or I don't want to participate or do uh, uh, do a favor that I've been asked to do. Um, and it, 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 it's kind of freeing to take that power back. I've, I've been surprised and it's been an unexpected surprise. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I think a lot of us are fearful of that kind of um, confrontation um, and fearful of, of speaking up. Um, but it can be it can certainly be empowering. And and even if the message is not received well, uh, you've still done something really brave by speaking up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a friend the other day about this and what to do if you face if you realize that you are in this Christmas family dinner and everything is going wrong and we had the idea of like kind of treating it like it's a first date so every female in this planet and probably a lot of males to know that if you're going on a first date especially if it's a blind date you need to have a friend that if you send them a text he's going to call you to tell you that your house is on fire your cat died she's in the hospital something horrible has happened so it may be worth talking to a friend of yours before going to the Christmas dinner and just tell them, if I send you this message, please call me in a panic, cry if you need to, and just, you know, start shouting that you need to get out of there because I need your help. Um, just a fun tip that you may want to consider if that's necessary. Hopefully it won't be. Hopefully the booze will be enough to keep you going through the night. But if it isn't, nobody would judge you if you do that too. We had a comment in the chat. Uh, the someone suggested, "Oh, drop your drink on the carpet. It'll change the subject really fast." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or do something like really unexpected that nobody like understands, like something really random. That'll definitely change the change the subject. Yeah, thank you. Are there any other struggles that uh, you want to talk about? You know, of people who are facing these these holidays on their own, or even worse, with family members that they want they don't want to see. Is there any other like struggles that you want to talk over? I think loneliness is the biggest one. Um, but, um, and the, you know, the idea of being forced to attend church or saying grace or, you know, any of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about loneliness first. Cause I feel like um, so many people are going to deal with this this year and as I said before other years also that will happen. So how can we deal with this? Let's say this is the first Christmas that you spend on your own or this is uh, not the first, but you've gone through it before and it's been awful. What coping skills do you have? I know you mentioned uh, getting away from social media. Is there any other uh, things that we can do in order to face this loneliness better? Reach out to people. And and I know everybody's, you know, incredibly tired of Zoom calls by now, but, you know, like it'll do, right? Like it's not ideal. Um, It's not the same as getting together in person with the people who make you feel safe and the people um, that you love, but we've got to do what we need to do right now to get through this. So reaching out, uh, reaching out to the helpline at RFR, um, you know, tuning in, tuning into like those, any kind of Facebook groups that you're in that, that are welcoming and, and safe um, texting and calling the people that you always count on. Um, and, you know, and, and limiting the time that you spend with people who don't make you feel good, mm-hmm. but, and take, just taking care of yourself too. Like during that loneliness, um, 
you know, loneliness, I mean, it's like an epidemic, I think, especially in our, in our country. Um, and I think we have to get, we have to lean into it a little bit, you know, like it's painful. Um, and we're not good at being alone, you know, especially our, like our American culture. We're just always like filling this, the silence with something. Um, and we're so afraid of just being alone with our thoughts. And so I think that you can, it's kind of like exposure therapy. You can face it. You can face that fear too and look at being alone as an opportunity. You know, what can you, what can you do with the time? And how can you, you know, make the most of that time that you have alone um, by like, I don't know, starting a new hobby or reading a book or um, like I said, reaching out to people that you care about, um, journaling, that kind of thing. There are ways to cope with it and to know that it's not the worst thing, right? Like being alone, um, it can be terrifying for a lot of people, um, but at some point you won't be alone, right? Like it, it is one of those, it's like, a, like that's kind of a mindfulness approach to it, like that, that it will come, that feeling of loneliness comes and then it, and it goes, and you are just there witnessing it and you can turn it into an opportunity. You can turn it into just, a, a, you know, you notice, you observe that like, oh, I don't really like being alone. What is it about being alone that, that I don't like? And kind of the, digging into it and really like reflecting on it. And there is a distinction between physically being alone and then also experiencing loneliness too. So it, it uh, I would imagine that um, if being alone doesn't come with a feeling of loneliness, then what's the problem? A lot of people um, enjoy alone time mm -hmm. and that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, loneliness is uh, that feeling that, that the painful part of that. Yeah. Um, and you can certainly be, you can feel lonely and be surrounded by people actually. If the people yeah. that are around you, um, you know, don't contribute to your well-being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like this links very well to our next big topic, which was what if you um, have to go to church during this this time and you don't want to and you're going to feel lonely even if, you know, you're surrounded by people. Um, how can you deal with, well, I think I'm freezing up, am I not? I think so. Nope, you're doing great. No? Okay, fantastic. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> sorry. How can we deal with, with, yeah, you need to go to church. There's no way of escaping it, you know, for whatever reason. It could be that you're underage. It could be that, uh, I don't know, yes, for family pressures, you just don't feel like you're able to just not go. And when I say church, it can be any other sort of religious ritual that you don't want to attend to. Attend to. Um, do you have any any tips on how to deal with um, conflicted family members and also with that feeling of loneliness that you get when you're surrounded by people who doesn't really mean they don't really mean that much to you or even if they do, you just don't feel like they understand you enough to not feel like you're lonely anyway? That can be really stressful. Um, and I think you you get through it um, though you know in any any way that you can. You know, it, whether you um, are you just kind of in your in your head <laughs> and maybe um, just ignoring what's going on around you um, or if there's a way to to get out of it, certainly like get out of it. Um, but we know you mentioned underage, you know, people or who, you know, like younger people who may be living at home and are dependent on their parents, maybe financially, and they feel kind of forced to do those things. Um, you know, you you know, if there's no way to get out of it and you have to attend a service or, um, uh, you know, some kind of prayer ritual or something, um, you know, you get through it. And it doesn't mean that um, that you're doing anything wrong. You don't have to. They can't force you to believe. I think that um, if, if I were in a similar situation, um, I think what I may do would be kind of make a plan afterwards. Okay. I have to go to this place. I don't want to go to, but afterwards I'm going to seek out the people that um, I can connect with much, much better. Um, I'll even, I'll either like hop into the uh, ACD discord channel or maybe go into a Facebook channel or um, uh, that, that uh, I'm familiar with or, 
reach out to some of my friends and family that I can unload and vent uh, vent to. And uh, I feel like if I knew that kind of going into, like the, I knew that was what I was going to do afterwards, kind of going into this uh, event, that uh, it would be uh, less troublesome to me. Debriefing plan. Yeah. 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 And that, that's, that's a good, you know, skill for a lot of, a lot of uncomfortable situations. Um, you know, people who are anxious, um, socially, um, or if you're just, you know, anxious in general, like, um, having, having a plan to, you know, to kind of, um, yeah, to either like decompress with people who, who get you afterwards or to have some kind of, you know, ritual for yourself after to kind of reward yourself for getting through the, the painful experience. You know, and I think that there's another resource available for folks. Um, the RFR helpline is always going to be open as well. Folks can call in or chat in to kind of talk about some of their feelings and concerns uh, to there too. Um, and we've got a lot of other um, crisis lines and uh, lifelines that uh, are resources and that we can, we'll be posting in a little bit too. You know, it's important to, to reach out to those um, organizations and, um, and also speaking of organizations, um, you know, the holidays are a great time to, you know, to donate to causes that you believe in. So maybe in lieu of, you know, gift giving, um, you, you know, make a donation, uh, to your local food bank or, um, to RFR or, you know, (laughs) (laughs) ACLU, Black Nonbelievers, you know, Mandisa's organization, um, and all of these organizations could use your support. And, um, I think it feels good to give back. And especially this time of year, like that could even become a new ritual for you. Yeah. A lot. I think also a lot of people enjoy kind of, uh, filling out and sending, um, greeting cards as well. Um, uh, you know, that I, a lot of people I see on Facebook are like, Hey, who wants a greeting card to PM me and I'll send you one out. They really get excited about kind of doing that exercise as well. Uh, I enjoy uh, uh, pre and uh, way post pandemic. I really enjoy actually going and volunteering somewhere, whether it's like a soup kitchen or cleaning up the highway or maybe even going to a nursing home and sending, uh, spending some of my time with them and getting to know some folks. And uh, I kind of, I really do kind of enjoy that. It's a quiet way I feel for me to to give back and um, not have to necessarily interact with the people I don't like to interact with. Right. It's a win-win because you feel good about it and you're helping, you know? Um, And I wanted to say something else about that. Uh, It really is pertaining to the pandemic. Um, But think about the, the businesses in your local area and um, you know, you could support, you know, getting takeout from your local, you know, restaurant that's probably Mm -hmm. just barely hanging on. Um, so many businesses have had to close their doors. And so, you know, just thinking about, you know, your local community and what you can do to help out there. Yeah. I find myself um, when we do uh, order food out uh, to tipping more than I normally would too. Cause, and it's intentionally done because I don't necessarily have a lot of money, but I know that there's folks out there who have less than me and uh, these servers are really struggling uh, as well. And that, I don't know, it's kind of helpful for me at least for sure i I don't know about the us but in the uk the um hospitality uh, industry it has been so brutally affected by the pandemic and i feel like so many small businesses are just feeling the worst of the pandemic and a lot of them have been closing so yeah i think that's that's great if you can either order takeouts or give a bigger tip or both uh, ideally if you can afford to then that'd be yeah i think that's those are both great, great ideas. Local restaurants instead of presents. I don't know. You know, I think, um, and that is uh, something, you know, giving back is something that is kind of another one of those traditions that um, Christians kind of just took over, but, and corrupted, but like we can all give, right. Like we can all donate. Yeah. It's not, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the charitable organizations are run by, you know, faith-based groups, but, um, they do not have a monopoly on that. So 
As an atheist, I really enjoy um, going to the supermarket, picking out a, a small infant and then going and uh, cooking them up. So they're tender and mild. It's just delicious uh, stuff. It's, it's a holiday tradition that most of us atheists do. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> no, not at all. I can confirm. Do they have a tofurkey, uh, to- tofu version of an infant, Amaya? Of course. <laughs> We have vegan children uh, ready to eat. If you're a vegan or vegetarian, that's absolutely possible. I'd be even happy to make one myself if you're, you know, wanting to try one. So, yeah, don't be shy. We're more than happy to to invent it. (laughs) But that's another one, right? Like, it's a lot of pressure to set resolutions. Yeah. And all can we just give each other can we just give i'm giving a even more permission i'm writing permission slips for everybody tonight like (laughs) set your goals or not hey we if we got through this year your job is done so (laughs) never heard anybody but let's just you know give ourselves a pat on the back for just getting through this and I do like the idea of kind of uh, using the end of the year as it's totally arbitrary, but uh, having the end of the year as a time where I can kind of reflect on, on some of the good things that happened that I really enjoyed some of the things I didn't enjoy and I would want to maybe improve on. Um, But again, like what you're saying, it's great to just not, uh, not do the pressure of the, uh, of the um, new year resolutions. I have set so many of those and then failed at so many of that at maybe one less than the number I've set. It's, it's, it's a tough to, to uh, have those expectations when um, I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. And it's just so much pressure. Let's just make a resolution to be kinder to ourselves. I love that. That's really, really nice. Um, and I feel like I really, really love what you said about if you, if you've made it through this year, that's it you won you know all the power to you that's all that's all anyone could expect really so yeah i think that's great thank you casey um is there any other thing that you want to talk about about this topic just to reiterate that you know um religious people do not own the holidays so um make it your own think about what's important to you um make it a season for reason i love that Thank you so, so much. All right, folks, we have got a lot of uh, resources for um, for you to uh, either utilize or share with some of your uh, friends and family. We'll go ahead and get those posted into the YouTube description and as well as the um, chat here. Uh, there's opportunities. Um, if you're struggling uh, and need to talk to someone, obviously you can call up uh, and chat with RFR, but there's several other places, um, even some uh, lifestyle specific uh, places that you can connect with too. And we've also uh, included some links, um, some donation links as well, if you are interested and have the means to donate to some great um, places. Uh, we're going to post some links as well to get um, you uh, to let you know more about Casey if you want to kind of follow up with her. Um, Amaya, do we have any questions that uh, you'd like to start off with? Yeah. Definitely. So the first one, um, it's it's quite generic, but I feel like a lot of people can relate to it. So it says, what if you feel like generally just nobody gets you? Um, and I feel like this can be something that definitely gets accentuated during Christmas uh, or holidays anyway, whichever holiday you celebrate, because you may end up surrounded by people that you feel like just don't, they just don't get you. So how can we deal with this in, in both holidays and also just in general life I guess you may feel like nobody gets you but you get you and there are communities out there for you um and you just you know it it can sometimes take a while to find those people you know to find your tribe and uh but don't give up um but you know you're unique and um that's you know that's awesome you know it's kind of great that you feel like nobody gets you because that means like you are an original. So, um, but you know, keep, keep reaching out, keep looking for um, communities that have the same interests that you do. And um, you know, it's quality over quantity anyway. Oh my gosh. That's so brilliant. That's more pressure, right. To have a million friends Mm -hmm. or followers, you know, and um, 
you know, so your social media influencers have all those followers, but do they have relationships with those people? No. So find some good, you know, relationships with people who, um, who have things in common and take your time building those relationships. It doesn't happen overnight. People don't, you know, you don't meet somebody and they totally get you right off the bat. I mean, I guess once in a while that happens, but, um, for the most part, um, friendships and, uh, meaningful connections happen over time. It has to be nurtured. So, so take your time and don't rush it. And I think that um, a way to possibly start off finding those uh, people that may get you is, um, you know, I've got hobbies, I've got interests, things that I actually like. And there are groups out there um, on Meetup, on Facebook, on uh, I don't know where else, but (laughs) there's people out there who share those similar interests. It may not be like they share the whole thing, everything that I like, but they share an interest in photography or they share an interest in um, goth culture, or uh, they share an interest in um, whatever uh, little dolls from the 1940s. I don't know. Um, start joining those groups and uh, talk about those interests. And maybe there'll be some people that uh, you can connect with out there too. Um, but it, I, that may be a good place to, to start to just identify your interests, identify what you, uh, what your hobbies are and uh, seek out those communities um, too. I think it can really be hard if you're introverted or maybe you mm-hmm. enjoy things that are um, solo pursuits like reading or, you know, whatever. Um, or like you like photography. Uh, my husband's into photography and every time he goes to a meetup, he's like, he like everybody, every photographer is just like on their own, like doing their thing. Cause like they don't, nobody wants to talk to each other. They have these meetups and then like, but nobody talks to each other. They're just like on their own. <laughs> well that's actually a great excuse if you don't want to talk to family members just say that you're into photography new random hobby that you got last night um just start <laughs> taking pictures and don't interact with anyone yeah just bring your camera to all the family events and just like pretend like you're taking some kind of like special you know up close shot of the plant in the corner <laughs> <laughs> yeah very beautiful close-up love it um, someone else is asking, this is my first Christmas since my long-term girlfriend and I broke up. I now have to celebrate Christmas with my family who won't stop asking about when I'm getting a partner. I don't want to stop celebrating the holidays with them, but they also can't get them to stop. Any advice? For this person, do you feel like you could say, please stop asking me if, when I'm going to find a new partner? Like, can you speak up? I know it's hard to speak up. Mm-hmm. Like it's much easier said than done. Um, but that I was that person for a long time. Like I didn't get married until later in life. Uh, and just constantly, every time I was around my family, they would ask me that. And um, I would just kind of roll my eyes and avoid. But if you can't, you know, if you can come up with some kind of response that feels You know, like in your words, if it feels okay for you to say out loud, like, you know, maybe write it, do some writing, you know, like kind of write down what you'd like to say to these people and then somehow like form a version of that that you feel good about saying to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I feel like we could definitely use like an RFRX session about how to uh, break this kind of inner block of actually saying that you don't want something to happen or you want something to happen, just voicing your opinions. Because I think it can be so challenging. I know I personally find it really difficult to tell someone to stop doing something or, you know, to set boundaries. It's just really uncomfortable in the moment. So, yeah, I can definitely understand if, you know, that's a struggle because it's just really, really difficult for sure. Uh, would would you do you think like it might be beneficial if you were able to find someone that you trusted to kind of um, bounce off what you want to say or practice uh, what you want to say and um, like uh, hey Mike I get this uh, question every time I'm with my family can you um, help me uh, maybe I can bounce some things off you practice what I want to say uh, you know it's like a safe space uh, in order to do that kind of practicing does that do you think that'd be helpful at all. Yeah. Yeah. And you practice it with, with, yeah, practice it with somebody you trust um, until you feel comfortable knowing that it's not going to be the same because, you know, your family people, the other, it's a, it's an intimidating situation. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So you're naturally just afraid to speak up because, you know, we're all pretty, pretty much all of us are afraid of confrontation because we don't know what's going to happen next, you know, and kind of, and maybe even ask yourself, um, you know, what is the worst that would happen if I, if I actually told my family to please stop asking me those questions because it makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, if you speak up for yourself, you know, from your, from you, like you're saying, I feel hurt or I feel, um, um, I don't know, whatever you feel angry or frustrated or whatever, when you ask me that, um, it's a lot of pressure and I'm dealing with this breakup. So I'm already in pain. Um, so I really don't, oh, wow. I don't, I don't need the, the pressure to find somebody new. I'm working on it, you know, whatever, like in your own words, um, if you can let them know, I think that what they're, you know, how it's making you feel sometimes that can get people to listen to you. I like that. That's pretty cool. Thank you so much, Casey. I feel like that's been so, so helpful, so appropriate for this time of the year and something that we will definitely apply not only this year, but for sure, like next year. Well, hopefully there won't be a pandemic going on, fingers crossed. Um, so yeah, thank you so, so much for being here again. I really, really appreciate that you came. And thank you, Eric, of course, for being the co-host. Recovering from Religion is a nonprofit organization whose mission it is to provide hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. Hope, Healing, and Support is waiting for you on our website, recoveringfromreligion.org. There you can speak or chat with a trained agent who will work with you through your struggles and doubts or to help find resources that may work for you. You can also find local Recovering from Religion support groups in your area for the long-term recovery work. Resources specifically curated for those struggling with doubts, disbelief, and trauma can also be found on the RFR website. To connect with a secular therapist in your area, go to seculartherapy.org and create an account. If you'd like to support the work that RFR does, you can donate or sign up as a volunteer on the Recovering from Religion website. It's also a big help subscribing to the RFR YouTube channel, our blog, or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be emailed to us at rfrx at recoveringfromreligion.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll be with us next time on the Recovering From Religion podcast.